We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Everybody, welcome to the DFS Pick Six. I'm Eric Crane, joined by the two two of the goats out there. We got Rich Reeves, our Lord Reeves. What's up, man? How we doing? What's going on, guys? I mean, that's uh, October, October second. It's hard to believe, you know. As long, we wait for the all summer for us to come, and you know, we're already in week five, and you just kind of wonder, like, you know, what the hell happened in the first quarter of the season? Dude, it's flying by. Like, I don't know about for you, but it is 100 flying by for me. John Day, was it flying by for you as well? It is flying by. However, even though it's week five, it's seen what went on just a few minutes ago before this show. It's like an S show in the crane house. Everything is just happening right now for you. I mean, look, <laughs> how was I supposed to know I was supposed to update programs? <laughs> you, you looked over, you said everything was closed over, and then you did it five seconds later. You said, oh, wait, everything's open. And no, just, just just my Chrome was open. Just my Chrome, okay. Yeah, and I had like a, like a bunch of stuff open there. So hopefully, hopefully everything's going to uh everything's going to be okay from now and i know from a football standpoint everything is going to be okay and from a personal standpoint everything is great right now we record this on wednesday night and obviously i'm decked out in my blues gear today and i am currently watching the st louis blues banner raising and i know we're supposed to talk football but look man this is the day i've been waiting for forever so i'm just glad i'm just glad to be joined by you guys when it comes to this reeves are you excited that hockey season's here I am just so and like thrilled to share this moment with you. <laughs> Did not even sound um, thrilled no. whatsoever. I mean, uh, I can probably name, I don't even know if I can name, like, uh, I don't know how many Blues players I can name in history. Was Brett Hall Blue? Yes, he's, yeah. and he's All the right. president now. And there's Maverick. One. Or not Maverick, and Stars, great as well. There's one, um, and that's about it, man. That's about what I got. Not much, uh, not, you know, Cleveland never had a hockey team, man. I never grew up with uh, hockey, so it was never really a part of my life. All right. uh, so I, you know, just yeah, I just I just never caught the bug, man. All right, Dagle, you have the bug, right? Uh, I wouldn't say bug, but I watched the <laughs> I watched the stars as a bandwagoner. However, I know what you're feeling because I recall watching the Mavericks raise the banner. Um, uh, yeah. So it's it's a good sensation. It's a great it is sensation. Very cool. I wish I was there tonight, but I'm I'm not, I'm here with you guys, which is 
let's face it, I have no problem being Which here. Is you. Okay. This is how it is, man. It's good times. We're out of here. We're gonna we talk raise to a banner every Wednesday. You're damn right we do. So let's go ahead and start raising some banners. Uh, we're going to start off by talking about a couple teams that aren't going to be raising any banners. It's Tampa Bay at the Saints, 47 and a half point total. The Saints, three point favorites at home. And John, at this point, I don't know what the hell to do with Tampa Bay because sometimes Jameis Winston looks like the greatest ever like last week. Sometimes you wonder if they're going to sign Ryan Fitzpatrick and bench Jameis Winston at halftime. Like, I don't know what to do with this Tampa team. The Saints defense, better than people think yet. It's a high total. John, how are you looking at this Tampa Bay team? The hardest thing about this Tampa office this week is that usually we get excited about teams in the Superdome. It allows for up-tempo, as Rich once coined. It's the Coors Field of NFL. But with Teddy Bridgewater, nothing is being given. Like you earn every single yard because their pace is slowed down to a certain extent. Uh, it's a more of a horizontal offense. His just average air yards is incredibly low. Everything runs through Alvin Kamara, which then slows down the other side. So we saw Chris Godwin as a game time decision go nuts in a shootout against the Rams. But against this Saints offense, I'm genuinely not sure we can – we can rely on both Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Jameis Winston, for that matter, to deliver uh, as much as last week. Maybe even 75% of the production is last week, just because it seems like it's going to be a much slower game. Yeah, and you know, when I look at this spot, I say Tampa's defense is better, the Saints' defense is better than people think, and I see this high total in Reeves. I can't find anybody that I'm in love with here. Yeah, it's, it's tricky, and John nailed it just because, you know, the switch. To, you guys, did you guys ever wonder what it would be like if Sean Payton had Colt McCoy? No. That's what we're, that, that, well, listen, that's what we've seen the last three weeks. That's, I mean, listen, I, I, I respect Teddy Bridgewater, man. I get, he got his money this year. Now we know why he turned down uh, that job with the Dolphins because he was going to have to play, and he would have been exposed. He would have found <laughs> oh, out that he was actually Colt McCoy uh, because, I mean – I mean, this this offense has died. I mean, he's got he's averaging five point four yards for uh, his eight out. It's averaged up the target. They're literally he's just he's a bus driver out there. That's literally he's he's out there to just not lose the games. We had a game where they won. This, we watched a Saints game where they won on nothing but field goals. What has happened to life uh, in the fantasy <laughs> fantasy world that we want to know? Uh, even Kamara has had like one awesome game and then like two like kind of not good games. Uh, you know, when Teddy's, I mean, he didn't start that Rams game, but he basically played every, he played every drive, but two of them, uh, you know, Kamara didn't hit there. He didn't hit last week. I and mean, it was awesome against um, the Seahawks. Um, and then Michael Thomas has been fine. He's kind of like a deluxe, you know, Jarvis Landry, you know, uh, in, in this offense. Poor Michael he's, Thomas. Yeah. I mean, but he's still hitting. I mean, he's got nine or more catches in three of the four games he's played this year. He's getting peppered with opportunities. Uh, the, the target share is extremely high. What What's happened, though, is just like all the ancillary pieces have just died. Where yeah. Breeze would have us in play or because they're scoring points, we'd say, oh, they're at home. We can, you know, we like to play Ted Ginn when they're at home. Or, you know, maybe Jared Cook's got a good matchup, which he does. But, you know, we can't expect Teddy to exploit this matchup. Uh, you know, you look at the – so Thomas has 238 receiving yards uh, over the past three weeks. Kamara is 127. The next highest guy is Jared Cook. He has 53. Not good. What are are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do with that? Uh, And then, like I said, and Kamara and Thomas aren't even guys that have been like high ceiling plays. Kamara was the RB one that we could see us, but you know, Thomas has just been a guy that's gotten us there with a with a you know steady floor. So yeah, I mean, the Saints side is just really we can't kind of they were doing their part 
And if they're not going to do their part, we can't count on the Bucks to just carry them. And you kind of touched upon the defense. And I feel like the Saints have done this the last few years. For like the first month, they just come out and don't really play good defense. They did it last year. You know, remember they got they played in that bonanza with the Bucks week one against Ryan mm-hmm. Patrick. And then they kind of figure it out as the season goes on. And they, they, they defend the run well, and the pass defense starts to short itself up. And that kind of is what we saw a little bit last Sunday night, even though the Cowboys completely gave them an out by just playing, you know, 2016 Jason Garrett-style football, uh, you know, in that Sunday night game. But, yeah, you kind of hit on it. It's, it's one of these things without Drew Brees involved in this game, we lose kind of that home field in the Superdome luster that we would always chase. Yeah, one guy that's been picking it up for Tampa and actually looked good yet last week was Ronald Jones. He's cheap enough. I don't like particularly like the matchup, but Dago, do you expect Ronald Jones to kind of take over this job in Tampa Bay? I I wish, and I never thought I'd say I wish about Ronald Jones starting. But the fact is, 59% of Tampa's backfield touches the past two weeks uh, has just outperformed at on every level Peyton Barber along the way. But Bruce Arians came out midweek and said he's happy with the situation, that Peyton Barber would continue to start. However, it's kind of like, as we discussed before the show, NBA DFS, where it's like Peyton Barber starting, he's committing a foul and coming out after one minute. (laughs) The the thing is, though, is that not only do we need Ronald Jones to actually be on the field and start, because it will ultimately help him down the road, but – We just need him to catch passes. I mean, it is inexcusable that he's gotten three targets this season. And those targets are what we need for him to be the actual golden ticket in this backfield. So for Vandal, that's fine. But for DraftKings, it's almost a situation where you can just never play him. Yeah, it's it's become really frustrating, you know, because we've seen some of these offenses – Pittsburgh might end up being that way. There are a few other offenses where they're just like like Kansas City, where you like all the pieces, but you can't really play any of them. Reeves, do you expect Jones to take over here, or are you just kind of kind of the, using a stay off approach with this whole backfield? From a DFS stance, it's hard, you know, play any of these guys, anybody that's like just in like a pure timeshare that could kind of come and go uh, as as it pleases, you know, as Bruce Arians pleases. And Barber still is a guy that's has cropped up, you know, he had the touchdown to start last week, and then Jones just kind of took over. The past two weeks, he's got 203 yards to just 74 for Peyton Barber, but Barber keeps starting, keeps getting just enough carries. You know, what's interesting about the Bucks is I think one thing that they've had so far in their corner that we kind of, none of us were really counting on, is they've kind of had neutral positive game script all, every game so far. Uh, you know, even the game that they, the game that they lost to the Giants, they were in control the whole game. Uh, you know, week one, they were never really a negative game script uh, until the very end against the 49ers. They've kind of really been able to just involve the running back still to a higher degree than I think we all anticipated they would be, you know, coming into the season. We thought that they'd just be pass, 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 pass. Um, it hasn't been that type of situation yet. And it's not probably going to be here either. Like the Saints aren't going to run away from them. So we'll probably see the backfield continue to be used in like a, you know, a higher volume than maybe they will be when they have to play catch up. Uh, you know, with, with season moves on. But, I mean, from a DFS stance, I mean, I'm just not – I'm going to leave it alone. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll play Ronald Jones in my flex spot and chase it. But uh, DFS, it's just too much volatility there. I genuinely think the only one that's safe – and it's not on Tampa side, on uh, the Saints side, despite Teddy Bridgewater being under center, is Michael Thomas still in cash if you want to go that route. Just become – he's become such a safe floor play. For the fourth week in a row now, specifically on DraftKings is where I'm looking at because his targets and his catches are important since he has no ceiling really right now. Um, <laughs> his salary has dropped for the fourth consecutive week. It's now just sitting there at 6,600, which implies that he scored at least 14 points to reach value, and he's crushed that 
uh, in every single game this year by at least two points. So he, with Teddy Bridgewater the past two weeks, has the sixth highest target share at his position. Um, so I do think it's a floor play, floor play not four play, and uh, acceptable <laughs> if you want to go that route with four play in cash games. I'm definitely willing to go that route with four play in cash games. Uh, Reese, real quick, Tampa Bay passing game, any interest in Evans or Godwin? We really haven't touched on them at all. I mean, we, we know what we're getting there. You got to pay for it. That's the thing you know, we're at this stage where you just have to, you know, what you're, you have to pay up. So, I mean, if you're not like full in, like it's, this game could be a back and forth shootout. Like we were circling that in game sacks last week. Uh, you know, it's a lot tougher this week, but I mean, I, those guys are kind of business as usual. Marshawn Latimer kind of got back on the train a little bit last week. He still allowed the most yards in coverage, uh, you know, played a little better against Damari. Him and Mike Evans have a little bit of uh, good history together. You know, remember Evans got kicked out of that game a couple years ago and Lattimore was giving him the business. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he came out last last year and then opener put up 150 on Lattimore. They kinda, they, they're kind of they kind of fun to watch when they play each other. Uh, but, I mean, Godwin's got a stellar matchup in the slot against P.J. Williams. And, you know, slot guys have been torching uh, the Saints and we've been targeting old P.J. for a couple of years here. So, I mean, I think that Godwin has the best objective matchup, which just I don't know if we're going to have that back and forth, you know, uh, volley game that we that we usually type to see in, with Breeze as under center. All right, let's move on to the highest total game on the slate. The Falcons at the Texans, 49-point total. Houston, five-point favorites at home. And this Falcons side, John, like I'm, I'm looking at it, and Julio Jones is obviously one of the premier plays in this slate. Houston corners, not good. The problem is then you have to start trusting Matt Ryan. I'm not sure I'm ready to go there. What do you think about this Atlanta side, Diego? Yeah, Houston's defense – Although they really don't have much talent, they've been sneakily good, especially at pressuring the quarterback. Uh, but now it's just a matter of attacking Matt Ryan, who has thrown for over 300 yards in every single game this season. Yes, their offense lacked excitement and energy against the Titans. It's, it's still amazing they couldn't score, despite the fact that it really did seem like they were moving the ball quite a bit. But also losing two starting all offensive linemen mid-play will do that. Um, but yeah, it's one, as you said, Julio Jones is an easy tournament play. I also think Calvin Ridley, there's more than enough reason to go back to him. He opened the season with two touchdowns, getting peppered with targets, and since then has been just uber quiet, doing absolutely nothing. But he will have a terrific matchup um, against these shoddy corners, all three across the board. It's just a matter of the Falcons keeping up with the Texans, and I believe they can, uh, especially if we get – Kenny Steals, and we'll talk about this in depth in a second, but I think there's actually something to DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller on the outside being better without Kenny Steals in the lineup, if that's what we get, which then lends itself to a shootout. But yeah, uh, we'll talk about that in a second. Yeah, I mean, this game to me, and I know it's supposed to be, you know, I shouldn't, I feel kind of cheap saying this because it's like, oh, of course it's high. It's total on the slate. Of course it's going to shoot up. But Reeves, I don't know about you, but to me, this game feels like it could absolutely be a back-and-forth shootout between these two teams. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because the Falcons can't do anything besides pass. So, I mean, that always lends itself. And then you look at defensively, I mean, they're they're just not taking a step forward. They lose Keanu Neal. Uh, they made Marcus Mariota and A.J. Brown and Corey Davis look like the 94 <laughs> Oilers with Warren Moon, Haywood Jeffries, Ernest Givens, Webster Slaughter. I mean, anytime you can make – Corey Davis and AJ Brown just look like in that passing game just look like they're just throwing like through practice you know seven on seven drills 
when you end the next week, you get Deshaun Watson, a definitely, you know, hungry DeAndre Hopkins, uh, the air yard, you know, we're going to keep chasing Will Fuller until it happens. Like by now everyone has planted their flag and we're <laughs> riding this until it finally happens. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're just, just lighting it on fire, but man, what the hell ever. Let's we're just going to keep doing it. We're just going to keep going back. But yeah, this is the game. I mean, there's a reason it has the highest total. Uh, and then, you know, and, and we're going to get Watson uh, in a spot too, where, you know, you look at Watson's two down games, they were kind of games you can kind of circle him to kind of struggle. You know, I mean, we don't expect him to be the type of guy that would struggle to the degree he has in those matchups. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Carolina has, has just shut down the pass in general this whole opening month of the season. Uh, and then his other game was, you know, against the Jaguars, you know, when Ramsey was playing well and shut down Hopkins that game. So if he had two down games, I mean, he's going to be going up against him. They just lot over 20 points to Marcus Mariota. So great bounce back <laughs> spot for Watson. Big bounce back spot for Hopkins, who's had three. He isn't, he's gone, he's been three years yeah. since he was a wide receiver 40 or lower, uh, you know, in three consecutive games. So, I mean, he's, he's going to be ready. And then, um, you know, you talk on the other side, like Ridley's great run back. It's chasing. Uh, you know, chasing that downside. If you look at it last week, then they played against the Titans. The Titans just really took away the boundaries. So Julio and Ridley just got nothing. Game script kind of went askew. And all they did was just throw a tertiary dump off. So Sanu had nine targets. Cooper had a bunch of targets. Devontae Freeman caught eight passes. It was just that. They had to just dump down to all those guys. Now this week, they're going to be going against a Texans team that's just struggled on the boundaries. I mean, Jonathan Joseph was, you know, uh, it's definitely way past his prime. They've allowed 19 uh, fantasy points per game, 31st in position to opposing wide receiver ones. It's a great get-right spot for Julio. Um, I mean, just everything. The passing games are just what we're really locked into because, you know, we don't really want to play any running backs here. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, great bounce-back spots here, and we, we expect that these teams to throw on each other very well. All right, so here's my question for you, Reeves, because I asked John this too, and I haven't asked you yet. Can we trust Matt Ryan? Yeah, well, why not? Look at the floor he's giving you. I mean, it, it was just completely – he threw 370 yards and no touchdowns last week. Prior to that, he had thrown for multiple touchdowns, you know, in seven straight games going back to last year. No one – it's not very – it's very rare to throw for 370 yards and no touchdowns. It's pretty hard to do. Uh, so I would expect him to, you know, the yard, he's thrown three, over 300 yards in every game. So, I mean, I expect the yards to be there again. And uh, if that type of yards is there, you just play that type of yardage and you just don't worry about the touchdown variance. That's kind of what we are with Ridley. Like everyone's frustrated with Ridley, but we're not going to bench a guy who's quarterback throwing for 300 yards every week. Like we're going to keep just saying, all right, we're going to get a piece of this sooner or later. What I love the most about the Texan side though, is that there's game theory, <clears throat> which we should always look at and play against humans as opposed to everything else. The numbers everyone can see and uh, humans will look down to Will Fuller and perhaps Kiki QT, who I do think is a good play, yeah. but uh, DeAndre Hopkins is the most expensive wide receiver on both sides, FanDuel and DraftKings. Nobody's going to play him. Given his last three games, no one's going to play him. It's going to be the lowest DeAndre Hopkins has been owned and perhaps will be owned all season, which tells me you just lock him in. I don't, I don't even care what he does. It's just game theory from the start to lock him right in. Yeah, it's going to be a good time if you're stacking up this game. And you know what? It's Matt Ryan especially, he opens up a lot of doors as the 5.9K price tag. And one of the nice things, too, you don't have to worry about playing Devontae Freeman. We can just cross him off the list because I am, I am over Devontae Freeman, and I haven't played him yet this year, but I just have no desire to play him. Another team that I have no desire to play is the Bengals, but unfortunately they're going up against our Cardinals this week. 47.5-point total. Cincy, 3.5-point favorites at home. And Reeves. Joe Mixon eventually is going to have a big game, right? That's that's eventually going to happen, isn't it? 
Maybe. I don't know. Uh, I love you said our Cardinals. They're definitely your Cardinals at this point. I, I am out on the Cardinals. I have uh, voiced my frustration with the horizontal raid, uh, you know, over the past couple weeks. You know, you look at Kyler Murray and this team, they, them not having any boundary presence at wide receiver has just nuked this offense. Uh, and this offensive line just can't support anyone to go deep anyways. Kyler Murray's dot has gone from fifth, you know, it's 10.7 yards to 8.1 yards. It's been 5.0 yards two weeks ago. It was ahead of only Teddy Bridgewater. It was 5.0 yards last week ahead of only Mason Rudolph. So the horizontal raid is in full effect. Uh, they can't get the ball downfield. I mean, Murray's been fine because he started to use his legs, and he's been kind of a floor play. But he's like the QB4 on DK this week on pricing. Like, who the hell is paying that Nobody. for a guy that's given you no ceilings thus far and probably isn't going to give you a ceiling as a road quarterback either, uh, you know, in this matchup? It's crazy because you know, a lot of people are going to talk about this game and the pace of play and, you know, how the Cardinals are, you know, first and seconds for play and the Bengals are sixth and seconds for play. But, th- dude, these offenses are teenage boys in the bedroom. They are in a hurry to not score. This is, a, this is completely a fact. The, the Bengals are 28th in yards per drive, 29th in touchdowns per drive. The Cardinals are 26th in yards per drive and 28th in touchdowns per drive. These teams play fast for no damn reason because they're terrible. All they do is give the other team a bunch of plays to run on their terrible defenses. And that's all we've been able to do with these two teams. Since they can't do anything functional on their own, we've been targeting the, the opposition. Now they play each other. So what are we to do? Uh, and that's kind of where we are in this matchup. Um, but I think the core pieces here in play – are pretty obvious and we'll talk about the Bengals sound but I want to eat up this whole clock here but David Johnson obviously uh you know is in a smash spot his salary still hasn't gone up you just look at the Bengals and who they've played uh week one 24 points to Chris Carson week two they give up more than 14 PPR points to three different 49ers running backs <laughs> week three they give up 17 PPR points to Shang Tsung Frank Gore and then last week they give up over 20 PPR points not only to James Conner but also to Jalen Samuels I mean they're just getting badgered by backfields uh so I mean David Johnson is going to be like the guy that we circle on the Arizona side and then um I've got some thoughts on the Bengals side, but I don't want to eat up too much here. Well, you know, you mentioned David Johnson. Of course, he's going to be the guy that we're really focused on. Christian Kirk expected to miss this game, which means that we're going to have some wide receiver value on the Arizona side. The problem is, Dagle, do you have a coin? Do you have like a four-sided die that we can throw around? Because outside of Larry Fitzgerald, I don't have faith in Keyshawn Johnson, Prince Sherfield, or even, dare I say, Andy Isabella this week. What do you think about this Arizona side? I mean, honestly – there's a lot of question marks. Some have rumored that they'll go to more 11 personnel, leaving three wide receivers in the field the majority of the time, as opposed to 10 personnel in which they just run four wide receivers. But whatever the case, you're just tossing coins at that point. I mean, it, it could be Keyshawn Johnson, but it, then again, it could be Farrell Cooper, who apparently is going to play. The oh, yeah, I forgot Farrell Cooper's a thing now, too. And apparently Farrell Cooper's starting as well. Like He's going to take Christian Kirk's slot role, which allowed Christian Kirk and Larry Fitzgerald to continue leading this, these team, this team in routes run. Um, so now we have Farrell Cooper in there. Andy Isabella is apparently the number five. Even they though hate him. They, they do hate him. And I, I do think he's explosive, but I'm also not a college – I'm not a primary college scout. I just know the people I'll talk to and what I watched, he looked great. But again, uh, they're not using him in the slot where he was initially pigeonholed coming out of college. They're using him on the outside apparently. So I, I don't know to the point where, yes – there, you could probably dabble them in millimaker lineups, but like your single entry tournaments, you're not gonna you're not gonna waste an entry on them. 
No, and you know, Reeves, when I'm looking at these guys, like I feel like in PPR, one of them's going to get there. I just don't know who the hell it's supposed to be. But they, I don't think I can even do Andy Isabella because they very clearly hate that dude. Yeah, I mean, he ran three routes last week, and they That's not a lot. And, and not only did, he was a direct backup to Christian Kirk. Christian Kirk gets hurt. And they sign a guy off the street to just come and play Christian Kirk's spot. What does that tell you? I mean, there's a lot of signals here that are suggesting that uh, he's not going to play as much as everyone wants him to play. Uh, But, I mean, the other side is kind of interesting, the Bengals side. I I actually think, you know, a lot of people will laugh, but I actually think this John Ross injury is kind of a big deal. I know that sounds crazy to think, but, uh, you know, Zach Taylor's running this offense that's almost like a a copy personnel-wise in the way they use personnel sets as what the Rams did. Now, if you remove John Ross, who was kind of the de facto Brandon Cooks, I mean, that really isn't Brandon Cooks, but it's in that role. This is one of the slowest set of skill players that we've got in the NFL. I mean, Tyler Boyd in the slot. Auden Tate is essentially a tight end playing wide receiver. Uh, You know, Tyler, like this is a slow unit. So, I mean, now they're going to try to spread teams out with just no speed on the field. I mean, I think this could be a bigger deal than people think it is. Not that John Ross is good, but his actual just presence of being able to run fast in a straight line is something that no one else has uh, in this offense now. I think Auden Tate is interesting. He's had 10 and 6 targets, though, the past two weeks. Uh, he's 6'6". You know, he runs 40% of his routes in the slot. So, when I see that, I'm like, I think about where the Cardinals have struggled, you know, giving up slot production and tight end production. He kind of fits in that mold of someone that could have some success and he's obviously so cheap and the target volume has been there uh, and then you know Tyler Boyd we can keep going to you know everyone's gonna talk about the you know versus the slot since Amendola roasted the Cardinals in week one they kind of haven't really been giving it up to slot receivers if you played Tyler Lockett last week you caught some of that sting uh, and the thing about Tyler Boyd too is that we started to see his touchdown regression really hit so last year he had just five end zone targets all year but scored seven touchdowns this year. He has no end zone targets at all on the season. He hasn't scored yet. You know, people keep waiting for touchdowns, but he's not getting targets to score touchdowns off of uh, where last year he was breaking plays that he was, he was scoring touchdowns when he should have been scoring is, is basically what I'm saying. And now this year we've seen that regression kind of hit. He's just been like this middle of the field kind of, you know, guy that can stack volume, which is great for our cash lines. We can pl- plug him in, but what kind of ceiling do we, are we really going to get, you know, from Tyler Boyd, it's going to be pretty interesting. And I would say we're just going to circle Tyler Eifert and the tight end narrative around Arizona so far. You know, Disley made it four for four. Dude, uh, I'm still know. playing Eifert. I'm doing he's, it. He's dirt cheap. Uh, the cool thing is, is he's, he's not playing a lot of snaps, but when he's playing snaps, he's running a pass route on 75% of snaps. And he also leads the team in end zone targets, uh, you know, coming into this game. So, I mean, there's a reason to go back to the well. Yeah, I mean, you know, and the reason there, he's not blocking that much because he might die if he blocks. But, like – you know, Dale, if I look at this team, it's – I know people want to play Auden Tate, and I understand the savings in cash games and tournaments. I don't really get it. But the guys I'm looking at here, it's Joe Mixon, it's Tyler Boyd, and it's Tyler Eifert. And I'm not sure in tournaments a reason we have to go a different route. Dago, where are you at here with the Bengals? Oh, I, I definitely wouldn't play Auden Tate in tournaments. But just the fact he's 3K cheaper than uh, Tyler Boyd across sites, like it makes it easy for cash games, especially <laughs> given the target volume. Um and, you know, I, I kind of still am on Andy Dalton, like, dabbling just a little bit. However, uh, Reeb's explanation does make sense that this offense could just genuinely tank or slow down as a whole without John Ross. 
But still, I mean, the fact is the Cardinals allowed 31 fantasy points to, to uh, Stafford in week one, 33 to Lamar Jackson in week two, 25 to Kyle Allen in week three. And then last week, it could have been a lot, but Russ wasn't needed as Chris Carson just bowled over everyone. So uh, this Arizona defense is still just terrible to quarterbacks. But given Cincinnati's concentrated target tree now, I would look to actually Tyler Eifert probably to bank that touchdown equity. Yeah, to me, like it's a really simple game stack. You've got you can play Dalton, Boyd, and Eifert, then run it back with David Johnson, and that's it. And at least then, Reeves, you know that's where most of the production is going to go on both sides. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I like I said, it's just uh, this game is probably one I'm going to stack less. This will probably be the game I feel like I could fade more than come under ownership, just because one, I think the Cardinals. I mean, I've done, I've just way done chasing that ghost. They've shown their hand the last couple weeks. They're just not an explosive offense. And I don't think that they have the the offensive line or boundary wide receivers to become an explosive offense. I think that that's genuinely a problem. Their schedule does open up here, and maybe that we'll start to see them be able to cash in on that. But we're getting them as another, you know, West Coast team, early start. I'm, I mean, it's just, it's tough, man. It's tough for me to just really keep investing and in buying this, uh, you know, this allure of Cliff Kingsbury, um, who I think is fine. I think that they don't look like no, he did not. last year. It's not his fault. It's, it's just you fault. have to have personnel, man. You have to have personnel in the NFL I, eventually. You can, only, you can only put so much makeup on this offense. Logically, though, they're doing – they're playing the hand they're dealt. Like, the past two defenses have played over the top, cutting them off. And so they're saying, take what we give you. And so they are taking what they give you. The issue is that, like you said, they have no explosiveness, and then it lends itself to three yards per attempt. So it's like not sexy and it's not going anywhere. And that's why David Johnson has been so awesome the past two weeks. It's because they have no choice but to continue dumping the ball off and trying to figure out where they get their production from. And so far, no good. Yeah, I have no problem uh, playing David Johnson. The other guys, though, I'm going to struggle to play. Let's talk about some of our favorite quarterbacks this week. Um, Obviously, if you want the big-time favorites, Carson Wentz at home against the Jets, Tom Brady on the road against Washington. Daigle, I'll start with you here. Who are some of the quarterbacks that you're really focusing on this week? We need Sam Darnold to play, if only because, not to go to Sam Darnold, but uh, I would love to use Carson Wentz in this spot. Carson Wentz, without the help of Deshaun Jackson, and maybe he doesn't have Deshaun Jackson again. We're not sure yet. Uh, He's probably considered questionable technically at this time. But uh, the Jets have just been so poor. The Jets who came into the year with one of the worst crop of corners and has since just lost faith in all their players and still don't know what to do. But if Donald's back and we get Robbie Anderson cashing in on that high, uh, a team high share of air yards and we get Jameis Crowderson, Jamison Crowder back in getting the dump offs. And his I like Jameis Crowderson, by the way. Jameis <laughs> Crowderson. That's like, that's 100% a Madden name crafted <laughs> in 2024. It turns out going from Robbie Anderson to James, Jamison Crowder <laughs> is very hard. It's very hard. Uh, but it is his team high target share with Sam Donald under center from week one. Like we need them to actually be able to answer the Jets. But if they can, then this is still one of the league's best offenses. And Carson Wentz, just 6,100, has been making magic despite the fact that he's lacked Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson together the past two weeks. So, yeah, now with everyone presumably healthy, uh, if we get a full game stack here, if we get everyone back on the field, I think it's a sneaky game stack. What about you, Reeves? Because, I mean, it's when I look at, you know, that Sam Darnold situation, I'm not sure he's going to play. It kind of seems to me like they're going to play it really cautious. I know he's splitting snaps in practice with Luke Falk, but Reeves, who are some of the other quarterbacks you're looking at? 
Yeah, that, that game would be interesting, even if Donald doesn't play. And I, I kind of like Robbie Anderson anyways as a guy to go over ownership on uh, regardless if he plays or not, Darnold, because you saw a lot. If you look at Robbie Anderson's game log career against Stephon Gilmore, it's just a pit of darkness. And they did nothing that we last saw on the field. But he had four for 81 with Luke Falk against the Browns on Monday night and hit some long balls in that game. So, I mean, against the Eagles, a much better objective matchup uh, that gives up big plays. And Ronald Darby still probably isn't going to play. Uh, you know, I kind of like still going over on Robbie Anderson. I mean, obviously not playing in any cash tournaments, but or cash games. But I mean, it's tournament play. I think that there's still some upside to him, and it's not just going to be a complete flat line like they were against New England. Um, but I mean, I think that you have to look at just the sites. Though Brady is priced way too low on Fanduel. He's fine on DK, but he's priced way too low on Fanduel. Um, easy to get in. You know, it's kind of one of those all hands on deck Patriot situations especially now because they're kind of shifted to an 11-personnel-based team. Uh, Washington's 28th in passing points allowed per game. Uh, prior to Daniel Jones not popping, they allowed the QB8 or higher the first three weeks. I think it's a game where Brady, you know, they, they build their lead through Brady in the past game. Uh, and if you, I think all those guys are great by lows in your season-long leagues, Josh Gordon and Julian Edelman, if people are kind of hesitant to that first month of production because their schedule, their wide receiver schedule, especially the next, like, over the next month is phenomenal. Uh, so, I mean, I would definitely try to go in and grab those guys this week if anyone's still selling in the middle ground and you can still buy 80 cents on the dollar any of those guys. But Brady's way too low on FanDuel. I, I mean, I don't see any way how you get away from him on FanDuel, man. All right, so let's talk some running backs now. Um, between David Johnson, Ezekiel Elliott, and Dalvin Cook, we have got three high-priced guys, Dale, in – amazing spots and the problem is I want to pay for some, uh, for some of these wide receivers too how are you choosing between those three studs John let's talk Ezekiel Elliott for a second here okay. though, because I understand the Packers have just been hemorrhaged for rushing yards but the fact is that in three games that we believe Kellen Moore called uh, Zeke was an afterthought in the passing game, even for the time he was on the field before blowouts. Uh, yes, he was used more last week against the Saints, but it was almost as if they had no choice. And that offense, anyhow, did not look like anything Kellen Moore would have called. It's almost like they seeped back into their old Jason Garrett ways and played the exact format that they played against the Saints last year, trying to allow their defense to take over. So I know people have been touting Zeke, but the reason we played Zeke last year was because of his career high uh, around seven targets a game, I believe, um, and career high routes one run uh, over 21 per game. And it's just not happening this year. It's plummeted. And I think there's a reason that it's because he's a complimentary piece in this offense. Um, he, obviously, he's a terrific tournament play, but I still, I'm just not as high on him in cash because I don't think they use him in the passing game moving forward as much as everyone else believes they will. What about you, Reeves? Are you down on Zeke as well? No, I mean, I'm in there because Mike Patton has come out and st- stated, like, they don't care about stopping the run. Like, he's openly right. said, like, just just like the Chiefs. Like, the Chiefs say, we don't care. We are we want to focus on being able to stop the pass, and that's what the Packers have done. They've built their defense to stop the pass. They give the lowest percentage of fantasy points uh, to wide receivers. Ironically, the teams that are two and three are the teams we talked about, the Bengals and Cardinals. If you're worried about if you wonder about stacking wide receivers, they didn't bring that up uh, because they get bludgeoned by so many other positions. And Green Bay <laughs> has just kind of funneled all their production, saying, "Beat us with your running backs." 
And what, well, your running backs can just go nuclear. Yeah. Jordan Howard was the RB3 last week. Philip Lindsay was the RB3 the week before. Dalvin Cook was the RB1 the week before that. They just don't care. They're going to have 186 yards of scrimmage for opposing running backs, and they're saying you're not going to be as through the air. Uh, the good news is, is that the Cowboys look like they're going to get Michael Gallup back. So, I mean, it kind of puts their offense back into focus. And we want, like John talked about, it, I'm okay with Zeke being that, like, part of a functioning offense instead of just being the bell cow in a terrible offense. So, the team's going to score 30 points against the soft run defense, I still feel good about Zeke getting a large part of the pie. I, I could I could be swayed for sure. Uh, I think to me, and I probably overthink the situation, but one, their def- their offensive line got pummeled, and now they're going into this game without Tyron Smith, their starting left tackle, who's been amazing and is out. Um, so it's perhaps overthinking it, but but still, the passing game usage is what worries me, especially on fan or on uh, DraftKings. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's what it is. It's, it comes down to what site you're building your lineups on. I think on FanDuel, it's really easy to go. Zeke, Dalvin Cook, David Johnson as your three, and then yeah. then wrote and then the other way flip it with Zeke and McCaffrey on DK. So you're getting like the best of, of the you know the excelling at what guys uh, fit uh, which point scheme the best. Although McCaffrey fits every point scheme, yeah. So, <laughs> uh, so I mean, yeah, I mean, but I think that's what it comes down to is just kind of what site. I mean, I'm not really into Zeke as much as DK for the same reasons. Um, one guy I want to talk about, though, because it's early in the week and we don't want to be a little bit forward thinking in case this happens, you know, because it's early in the week. We don't have the full injury reports. Teams only really practice one day, though, is if uh, just this whole Jalen Samuel situation. Anyways, let's just talk about it for a little bit, because one, Connor didn't practice today. He's dealing with that ankle injury. Maybe, you know, obviously, if he doesn't end up playing, everyone's going to play Jalen Samuels. But, you know, you look at uh, what they did on Monday night, and when the Steelers hired Eddie Faulkner, who was Samuel's tight ends and fullbacks coach at NC State, and he had, in college he was used as this jack-of-all-trades player. He played some H-back, he played tight end, he played running back. Uh, and then he, at the combine, he worked out as a tight end. Remember, Yahoo gave him tight end eligibility. That rookie <laughs> year, and would be, you know, obviously everyone was pissed off about that. But, you Not know, if you had him. We had been waiting, though, all year. Like, when are they going to use Jalen Samuels creatively? And the week before against the 49ers, he played 14 snaps and didn't have a touch. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, people were dropping him. You know, it's one of the things. And then Monday night, they come out and they put it all on, on the table. They have this guy playing, you know, in the Wildcat. Wildcat. He's getting, you know, completions on those jet, you know, pop passes. Uh, he had eight, you know, 10 carries. He had eight targets in the passing game. He caught them all. He had 78% of his snaps he had usage on, which is the highest, you know, rate of, uh, that he's had all season easily. Uh, and then the Ravens have just been absolutely just blasted by backfield. So they opened up the season against the Dolphins and the Cardinals. Kind of two free passes, hall passes against running backs. In the last two weeks, they allowed 197 total yards and two touchdowns to the Chiefs backfield, and then 237 yards and four touchdowns to the Browns running backs last week. Um, if they're going to do something creative again with Jalen Samuels, we can't count on it. Um, but you know, it's, it's definitely the matchup is there again. And if Connor ends up being out, I mean, he's going to be an auto auto play at 5k on FanDuel and 41k on DK. Um, it's just, we don't know how sticky, like all this weird offense on Monday night will be, um, in that. So, I mean, just, yeah. I mean, so, I almost I, feel like they have to keep it going. I mean, look, they're not, look, they traded away their first round draft pick. They're not going anywhere with Mason Rudolph, you know, throwing the ball 40 times. Dago, don't they have to continue to work these running backs? So if this is the case, Tomlin came out in the press conference today, I'm recording this Wednesday, and he said that the only the reason they did that was because they had only one reliable tight end in Nick Bennett since Vance McDonald's out. 
So then what we're left looking for come Sunday really is on Sunday morning, if Vance McDonald is rolled inactive, we can trust, maybe not trust, but we can at least be led to believe that they're going back to that offense. So really now we're just kind of looking at Vance McDonald's injury history uh, and moving forward into Sunday, and then we can make our lineups from there. Imagine the whole thing coming down to what your offense does, <laughs> Nick depending Bennett. on if Vance McDonald is available. Or, or if Nick Vanette's available, yeah. Welcome to the Steelers 2019 That's season. True. Just incredible but i agree with you guys and by the way if connor is ruled out eventually benny snell becomes a really interesting tournament play also because they're not going to use jalen samuels to touch the ball 25 times i think benny snell would be really interesting i even think you can play him together we mentioned dalvin cook earlier he's got a phenomenal match with the giants reeves i see you shaking your head i don't see any reason to fade dalvin this week not really because when you look at you know how stefanski you know in these wins then they go back to show so the if you look at the Every game that's happened in the NFL this season, and you parse by run rate in the game, the two games that pop as the highest in the NFL this year were the two Vikings wins. So, I mean, if they're going to win and control the script, you know, as favorites, I mean, I know it's another get-right spot for Cousins, but we've had two already. He had the Raiders game. He had the Falcons game. I mean, I don't know what to tell you guys about chasing I mean, I get it. I know, uh, you know, it's, the people are on going back to the well there. It's just tough, man. It's tough to have faith in it. So they're going to run the football a ton. You know, obviously you're not, we're not going to move away from Dalvin Cook. Um, I think down the line, especially on FanDuel, I think, uh, you know, DK, there's not a lot of super values at the bottom. Maybe we'll get Samuels. But on FanDuel, David Montgomery is only 5,700. Mm. Coming off of a season-high 24 touches. He's going across the pond in London. I mean, thank hey, London, we send you the best games. You know, <laughs> it, Bears, Raiders. Bears games right now this season are averaging 27 combined points. Like, what a disaster. Like, here you go, London. And, and the, the best, the good thing about that game for us, though, is that's a 1 o'clock stateside kickoff. Like, no one has to get up at 9 in the East Coast and watch that shit. Like, it's terrible. Like, <laughs> Wait, okay, hold on. If it was 9 a.m., <laughs> would you wake up to watch the Bears and Raiders? I'd have it on while I was working. <laughs> You wouldn't I like mean, it. I was on, I lived on the West Coast just last year, and I woke up for every Jaguars game at 5 a.m. So, Stop. you did you wake up or did you stay up? Uh, no, I don't know. It was, I'm so for everyone back home, I'm usually like a, a early riser. I'm a 4 a.m. or 5 a.m. guy. Oh, you're that guy. I know, I suck. Whatever. I, su- I suck at life. I wake up before 10. My, my ultimate call on this game is that in, the, in that game in London, if they get on the goal line and it's going to make us mad because we're just talking about David Montgomery, is that the Matt Nagy is going to run a – maybe not a Philly-type special play, but a Mike Vrabel-type special play where he gets Khalil Mack or receiving touchdown. What a stupid game. Let's talk uh, some more. <laughs> Go ahead, Dale. So, oddly enough, though, Chase Daniels' like running back target rate was close to a league high, though, whenever he was under center. So he uh, Reeves mentions Montgomery, um, and that that could be the key. But you kind of have to decipher whether it's Montgomery or Tariq Cohen, who's uh, who's dust as a running back. They're just using him as a wide receiver. Like Cohen had eight targets and then fourteen targets in Daniels' two starts. So uh, it could be a small cheat code uh, whether you think Montgomery or Cohen get the targets in that backfield. Yeah, I think Montgomery is sort of a league winner, like waiting to happen. Here in about a month, we're going to be saying, why didn't we trade for him in season-long leagues sooner? I'm a big David Montgomery fan. Let's talk some wide receivers. We already talked to guys in the Falcons-Houston game. Not a surprise. We love them. Reeves, is this the week that Marquise Brown breaks another one? I mean, it's it's tough. I mean, it's it's kind of an interesting matchup. So, I mean, the, the Steelers are really good against – 
of wide receivers that play on the right wide receiver side. And Marquise Brown's about 40% of his routes on that side. That's kind of where Joe Hayden plays. But they're terrible against slot receivers, and that's where he runs a little under half of his routes. So it's kind of a, a little bit pick your poison. So there's definitely opportunity there for him. Uh, the, the troubling thing was his usage sucked last week. I mean, his A dot was seven yards last week. We don't want that Marquise Brown. No. That's not the Marquise Brown we want. The first three weeks, it was 17 yards. That's what we want. We want that guy. Um, and, and with no Greedy Williams, no Denzel Ward, that was pretty disappointing uh, to see him used that way. We need to game, wish the game plan was a little bit better. But, yeah, and he's just so cheap. I mean, it's so hard when you look at his target share and, you know, his air yardage share and everything, and then you just see his pricing across both sites, and you're just like, oh, my goodness, how do you even get away from this guy? Especially in Fandle, where he was 5,700 last week, and I know because I played a lot of him, and it was terrible. Uh, and he went down to 5,400 this week. So, I mean, he's super cheap. I get it. Um, there's, I mean, I understand that you're definitely having some exposure going overweight on him. Um, some middle guys, and I talked about the Patriots guys. Those guys are in a phenomenal spot. Philip Dorsett is still really cheap. He had nine targets, a ton of air yards last week against a, a really tough matchup against the Bills. Really soft matchup this go around. I like all those, all the Patriots guys. Josh and, Gordon um, week, baby. Yeah, I mean, I'm in on the Patriots guys. I think they're going to be afterthoughts, and they're all cheap. Like like Gordon and, and Edelman are floating around those mid wide receiver two, like high wide receiver three pricing. Uh, you know, I like Alshon. If, if D-Jax doesn't play, he came back to nine targets in, a, in another tough matchup uh, and had, he found the end zone. I mean, the Jets are allowing uh, as many receiving yards to wide receivers almost as the Eagles, like just a half yard under. So, I mean, it's, there's definitely potential here, like you said, if we had Darnold. But I think Alshon's going to be fine either way. The Jets benched Tremaine Johnson, uh, you know, the last time we saw them. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, I'm kind of looking at some of those guys in the middle and obviously the guys we talked about in the earlier matchups. What about you, Dale? Who are you looking at at wide receiver? Uh, since Reeves went some some strong cash game options, or uh, for you, you tournament options as well, uh, I'll just go two two deep receivers. And because it's injuries are going to play itself out this week, ex- especially at the wide receiver position. And uh, first one would be, and this is way off the board, by the way, but uh, if Jarvis Landry's out, this new instilled 12 personnel from the Browns installs Antonio Callaway on the field every single snap literally every single snap because Rashad Higgins is also battling an ankle injury. Uh, the Niners have allowed, I believe the 11th most points to wide receivers, fantasy points per game. Um, and if this Browns team and offense is as efficient as they were against the Ravens. Now the Ravens defense has a ton of questions. The Niners pass rush in particular has been very underrated this season, but the Browns offense, if they're still efficient as last week, then it should be no issue for Callaway to return value at stone minimum. And that of course is just a deep tournament option. Um, another one that I'll probably actually look at in cash games if we get the injury, if Kenny Steels is ruled out, we recall just last year that Kiki QT played five games in and out of the lineup with a hamstring injury all year, but he played five games over 60% of snaps with the wild card included. And in those games, he averaged over 10 targets. Uh, in the playoff game in particular, the loss to the Colts, he got 14 targets, 11 catches, 110 yards, and a touchdown. And that's just last year, just like very close, like in January, um, with the same personnel in place. And I think there's something to, if QT plays, it unlocks DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller even more. QT's average depth of target was 14 yards this season, which is very similar within two yards to Fuller's and Hopkins, whereas QT's is eight and a half from the line of scrimmage last mm-hmm. year. So it sort of allows them to not be mashed with stills running the same routes. 
And Deshaun Watts is not a check down guy, but QT didn't, he wasn't like a safety blanket. It was more, he was getting open. And rather than allowing Deshaun Watson and forcing him to hold on to the ball longer, he saw an open guy underneath. And so we can use that floor in cash games, but also it unlocks Hopkins and Fuller, as we talked about earlier, to be ceiling tournament plays. All right, before we get out of here, Reeves, give me your favorite game stack real quick. I mean, was it's the one we talked about. It's going to be the most popular. Uh, you know, I think underrated probably will be maybe uh, that, that Ravens-Steelers game. Yep. Yeah, that was the one that – that was like if we were going to talk four games, the other one was going to be the Ravens and Steelers because I can always play Lamar Jackson, and he's never all that popular, so I have no problem there. Tego, your favorite game stack, is it, that, uh, is it the Falcons game, or are you looking someplace else? Uh, so every week we have the one that everyone goes to and then it just bust, it goes busto. And, uh, (laughs) if anyone's going to go busto, it's Bill O'Brien every single week. So, uh, I'll I'll be all over it, but I don't, it's, I don't think it's my favorite really. I still want Darnold to play. I I like this Eagles Jets game a whole lot, actually. All right. Well, cool guys. I want to thank you guys for joining us. Uh, Dagle, tell them where they can find you. Uh, Roto World, as always, we will be on the Roto World football podcast on iTunes. Go subscribe. And then uh, Sunday morning, noon Eastern, NBC Sports, Twitch, YouTube. Join us. All start and sit questions. Yeah, Reeves, where can the people find you? Oh, I'm over at Sharp Football Analysis, you know, doing the worksheet. We made uh, part of the worksheet free this week. If you want to check that out, kind of uh, into the after the first month. And then also still, you know, if you want to go over and use the promo code SHARP25, you can get 25% off any type of subscription you want, you know, whether it be betting props, fantasy, or all all the above. Yeah, I'm fine with all the above. (laughs) I like the fire, man. I have no problem with that. But we got to get off here. (laughs) We got to make way for the pro football focus guys with Britt Devine coming up next. I want to thank Rich and Dago for joining me. I want to thank the D-Train for producing and for the Stanley Cup champion, St. Louis Blues. Thanks for watching, everybody. We'll catch you all later. Peace. 